0: Existing just beyond the boundaries of our comprehension, there lies an unseen world. A world that exists just beyond the veil of darkness. A world that should be left unseen Were born unto them. And the sons of God saw the daughters of man and saw that they were fair, and they took them wives all in which they chose. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that. When the sons of God came unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, and the same became mighty men of old, men of renown. I find that quite an interesting passage. Let's kind of break this down real quick. It says, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of man and that they were fair and they took them wives all in which they chose. So when they say the sons of God what exactly are they referring to? Are they referring to mankind or are they referring to the Elo Elohim, which translates from Hebrew as the shining ones are angels. So what are they saying that the angels descended on the earth and they had children with earthly women and had hybrids called the Nephilim. So let's dig into this here. And it says, There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came unto the daughters of man, and they bare children to them. The same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. So, is this where all the mythology comes from, such as the Greek, when you talk about Hercules, Zeus, and the Olympians? You know, if you really study see this is what's fascinating about studying demonology you have to study many different literatures and you would be amazed of how the dots get connected like the book of Genesis okay so when we say that the sons of God saw the daughters of man all right this comes directly from the book of Genesis okay now and when it says that um, Let's see. Hold on. All right, here we go. When it says that the sons of God descended up on the earth and they took them wives in which they chose, this is actually a reference from the book of Enoch, which is, even though it's not canon in the Bible, in Jesus' day, this would have been very popular literature. Okay, and so there's a big gap when we talk about Genesis. But the book of Enoch fills in that gap so you know you have to put two and two together and it's absolutely fascinating so they say that there were giants on the earth in, the, in those days and also afterwards so that's a very very interesting statement there when they say on also afterwards well Enoch was the great-grandfather of Noah so this is actually a reference to Noah's flood Noah's flood. From what most people understand, man became so corrupt that God wanted to basically wipe the slate clean and start all over. But that's only part of the story. You see, the Elohim are the Nephilim, the giants are on the earth. All right, we talk about David and Goliath. Okay, and there's actually references to giants in the Bible itself. Now, what happened is that when the the angels defiled themselves and left their left their first estate, which is their angelic body. Okay, we know from other passages in the Bible that angels can take on a physical body. It's not their first estate, but they can take on a physical body. Alright. So with that being said, they defiled themselves and they had hybrid race, which were the Nephilim. Alright, so I will say this, you know, in spiritual warfare i work a lot with michael the archangel now do i see him personally with my eyes no it's a mind's eye thing but they're huge they're nine to ten foot tall you know i made a reference to the um, entity that i saw in the stint case on a previous podcast this thing was about seven foot tall you know these spiritual beings are taller than us you know In in their slight hints throughout history and movies and things like that, believe it or not, Hollywood is very keen on these things. Now, look, Hollywood could be a very dark place, but they also have a lot of what you would call, you know, forbidden, forbidden knowledge. Okay, now when we talk about, let's talk about the Freemasons for an example, the thirty third degree Freemason. Where does that come from? What is so important about? the number 33 well when the watchers the sons of god the angels descended up on the earth they landed on the summit of mount Hermon, which is the 33rd parallel so think about it guys this stuff is all fascinating and this is part of what demonology is you want to know the enemy right you got to really dig into the enemy to know how they work because i'm going to tell you these demonic entities, they have their own swagger to say. They have a certain way they operate and what they do, what they can and what they can't do that the general public absolutely has no idea. They only know what Hollywood tells them. And you know, like I said before, Hollywood is very keen on these things, but they only tell half truths. I call it the upside down. It's Basically kind of where we're at right now. What was once deemed good is now deemed bad. And what was once deemed bad is now deemed good. It's called the upside down. Are you wanting to learn spiritual warfare, or just curious about the subject? I offer an online, take at your own pace, spiritual warfare and demonology 101 course. Throughout the course, you will learn the vital information that you need to be able to successfully combat forces of darkness. For more information on Demonology 101 Spiritual Warfare, visit my website at jeremylenner.net. Need a new computer and can't afford one? How about a brand new DJI Phantom Drone? Or maybe you would like a brand new outdoor patio furniture set. Wait a minute, did this guy just say brand new computer and drone? Say what? Well, if that's you, then check us out on Facebook at Jeremy's World of Raffle Man. We got big raffles, we got small raffles, we got raffles of all shapes and sizes. What are you waiting for? A new pony? All funds raised through the raffle goes to funding the Cajun Ministry. The Cajun Ministry is a non-profit organization. On the first part of the uh, episode, part one, I talked about when I saw the physical form of the entity standing behind me in the mirror. If you remember, I said that he had eyes, but there were nothing else. See, I didn't really know it at the time, but demons cannot take the perfect form of a human being. Okay, they are bound by certain laws. They could come close to mimicking human beings, but there's always going to be something off about them. Sometimes they'll only have half a torso, Sometimes they won't have no eyes. Sometimes they'll have eyes and nothing else. But as I say, they can mimic human beings very, very closely, but they cannot mimic human beings perfectly. And if you know what you're looking for, if you ever experience that, you can really kind of pinpoint whether it's actually a demonic being or a spiritual being or a manifestation of what we call a human spirit. Now, with that being said, I must say this. There are certain instances when a demonic entity will show its true form. However, that doesn't happen often. And I'm going to tell you why. People have this concept of demons being this big scary looking creature okay again that's hollywood you have to understand demons are going to present themselves as something lovable something harmless in order for someone to open up and invite them in remember demons cannot just show up in your life they cannot just see you walking down the road and say oh i want to possess this person it does not work that way and i will say this again it does not work this way demons cannot do anything against our free will Okay, We have to freely invite them into our lives. And how do they do that? They present themselves as something likable or lovable. Now, when they feel threatened, that's when the nastiness comes out. So one thing that always bothered me is why the entity showed itself to me. I was the only other person besides joy that saw the entity in a physical form. And that really bothered me. Well, years later, I wrote a book called The Dwelling, A Dark Entity, about the Joy Stinson case. And not long after the book was published, I had a friend request from a priest on Facebook. Who even knew priests could have Facebooks, right? But apparently they can. And he sent me a message, and he had basically said that he read my book, and he was very touched by the way I wrote the book because I did not make myself out to be a hero at all. Okay, i done a lot of things that could have got me hurt and got the family hurt, and especially the little girls hurt, but I didn't know any better. But there was something that shielded that from happening, and I'm going to get to that later. So I started having a conversation with this man. When he told me he was a exorcist for 30 years with the Roman Catholic Church, well, naturally, he had my attention. And one of the first questions that I asked him was, why did the entity show itself to me? And this was his exact answer. He said, demons only show their true form. You have to understand, demons don't want to be known. That's part of how they operate. It's called incognito, right? <laughs> so demons don't want to be known. But when they feel threatened, that's when they will make their self known. And this happens a lot when it comes to the rite of exorcism. Okay, you're threatening this entity. That's when it's going to lash out at you and the demon showed itself to me in that farm because it knew I was a threat, even though I did not know that I was a threat to him. So you may ask, well, what made me a threat to him? Think about it. I was helping this family for no other reason, not for myself, I was doing it purely for them, right? I didn't do it for a selfish reason, for notoriety, fame, or whatnot. I wanted to help that family it's called pure of heart that entity knew that and that entity knew I was a threat and it tried to scare me away and you know what it almost did but I'm going to tell you something I learned over the years when it comes to spiritual warfare God has a plan right there's no such things as coincidence not at all everything happens for a reason it's a path. And that was the path that was given to me. That was my introduction into a much bigger world. I had absolutely no idea what I was getting into. And as I stated before, I actually did a lot of things wrong during the whole process that could have got me hurt badly or the family or especially the children because they seemed to be the target at the time. One thing that I can tell you guys is, and I see this a lot in the paranormal field especially, you never ever ever challenge a demonic entity in the physical form you will lose there is absolutely no way that you can win these things are way more powerful than we are they're way more cunning than we are the battle has to take place on the spiritual plane now what is the spiritual plane and how does that work okay so as i stated before our thoughts is the purely spiritual side of our existence okay that is pure spirit and when we think our thoughts either subconsciously or consciously we're visualizing what we're thinking so that starts a manifestation of taking something from a pure spiritual form and transferring it and manifesting it into the physical world in which we live in because look the way we perceive the world is through our very thoughts and if you can train your thoughts You can pretty much have and accomplish anything in life that you want to. I know that seems really hard, but in fact, it's quite simple. So that is why it is called spiritual warfare, because the actual battle has to take place in the spiritual plane of our existence. One of the examples of things that I've done that could have really ended badly was I would always challenge this thing and I would try to challenge it in a physical form. Now, I was never attacked physically, as I stated before. However, I was attacked by this thing quite often verbally, okay? So here's the thing, if you don't wear the armor of God, these entities can see inside your soul. They know your deep, dark secrets, okay? And they know what hurts you the most. So I've always been a big boy, right? And when I was in school, I used to get picked on quite often and that left a big emotional scar in my life. So this thing used that to its advantage. It would make oinking sounds, like literally oinking sounds. In the very beginning, I could barely hear it through a digital recorder. But as time progressed, it got stronger and stronger and I could actually hear it doing it audibly with my own ears, without any kind of amplifiers or anything like that. You know, I spent six months with this family trying to figure out how it got there, what was its right to joy. You see, demons have to have a legal right to someone. And I've actually had somebody try to shun me by this but it really goes to show their ignorance that is exactly why it's called the right of exorcism so a demon has to have a legal right to someone and the right of exorcism actually breaks that legal right only then can you cast it out as long as it has that legal right to a person it's not going anywhere okay so she said she went to the myrtles plantation but i could never figure out how a demon followed her home from the myrtles plantation i've been there many a times there is no negative feeling there whatsoever so i thought she was hiding something from me so i decided to confront her you always hear stories about people that has faced severe drama that the brain will actually block the trauma and the pain from the person So I think this is what happened to Joy. I kept telling her, I said, Joy, you have to remember there's something that you did. You played with a Ouija board. You did something to invite this thing into your life. And she sat there on a couch and I could tell she was brainstorming. And at that moment I thought all hope was going to end up being lost because she's not going to remember or she's not going to tell me and then all of a sudden she gets this expression on her face that as if she just remembered something absolutely dramatic that she blocked from her life she basically blocked it in her brain because the it was so severe the trauma so When I think she finally processed her thoughts when they came back to her, she told me that three years prior, she went to Honduras on a church mission trip. And when they were there, there was this guy in the village, he actually lived in the village, and he was the one that took care of the mission group while they were there. She Said it was a very polite young man. So Joy, being the curious person that she is you know they always say the curious cat gets you in trouble right she wanted to go on a tour of the town that they were at because she was fascinated with the way people lived you see we live in houses over there they basically live in mud huts that's basically how she described it so this guy agreed to take her on a tour of the town So they they went off on their adventure and she said that two other guys met up with her and the guy brought her into this mud hut and she said she knew she was in deep trouble the second she walked through the door because there were two guys standing there in black robes and they had candles on the floor and they had a table. So what happened was, Joy, you see, was on her menstrual cycle at the time. And believe it or not, she was a virgin at that time. As I stated before, Joy was a very devout Christian. See, one thing you got to understand is when it comes to satanic rituals and demons, everything is finalized in blood. She proceeded to tell me that these guys all raped her and they took her blood from her menstrual cycle and they drew symbols on her and they told her they were allowing demons to enter into her body. She said that she had come to the terms during this process that she was probably going to die and she, I think she said she made peace with God at that time. Well, to her surprise, after all of this took place, they taught her to get dressed and leave and that's exactly what she did. She said she didn't tell anybody because why? You're in a foreign country, what are they gonna do? She just wanted to go home. Well, little did we know that it was summer solstice that night, and it was an actual satanic ritual that they performed on her. Now, one may ask, if this took place three years prior, then why all of a sudden did the haunting start three years later? You see, as I said before, demons have to have a doorway. Okay? What happened during this ritual is they did allow the demon to enter in her body, but the demon did not have a right. So it laid dormant and it waited. Why? Because remember, time doesn't exist in the spiritual world like it does for us. When she went to the Myrtles Plantation, and she became obsessed with this speck of dust that she captured, and that she claimed was an arm, that gave her, well, that gave it the doorway that it needed. Obsession can lead to possession, and that's when it all started. So there was a part of me that was absolutely terrified, but then there was a part of me that was relieved because now we know what is right is. Now, I just have to find somebody that can break it. And that was going to be a whole new challenge. I've already tried it once, and I was shunned by a minister and a priest. So, what do I do? I was bound to determine I wasn't going to be defeated. And I went to different places, talked to different people, and finally I was led to a Pentecostal preacher. So I talked to him and he agreed to perform a deliverance on her. Now, one thing that I could tell you about this Pentecostal preacher was right off the bat was he was very arrogant and very cocky, but I didn't care. If he could help her and the family, so be it. We made arrangements for him to meet three days later, I think it was. Well, the day that he was to arrive, I showed up at the house early, you know, because with all the anticipating and everything, and I wanted to make sure that Joy was in a good place, you know, mentally to be prepared for this. And next thing we know, we see this big, huge white Lincoln Town car driving down this long driveway. And we're all standing underneath the carport. If you don't know what a carport is, it's basically a garage that doesn't have sides on it, it's just a roof, and you put your car under. So, as this Lincoln Tower car pulls up, this preacher gets out. Now, this is a big man, he probably weighs about 300 pounds, about six foot tall, and he gets out of his car, he grabs his big old Bible, and he actually had a big Bible with him, and he starts walking toward us, and as soon as he got on the concrete slab on the carport, I watched a grown man be slammed to the ground by something that was not there. I can't even begin to describe to you the horror I felt at that moment. And I'm going to tell you why. No more than 30 minutes later, I was doing just what I said I should have never done. I would challenge this thing. I was calling it out. I was calling it a coward. That could have been me that got slammed to the ground like that. At that time, I didn't quite comprehend, I guess, the abilities that this entity had in the danger that I was in, because I am witnessing a grown man crying and screaming in pure terror. So it felt like forever, but I'm sure it was only two or three seconds this thing released him. I watched this Pentecostal preacher stand up and he jumped in his car and as he's pulling out he told Joy to never call him or step foot in his church again. And as he's pulling down the driveway, I remember a thought that stuck in my mind was, this thing is not going to let this happen. I remember saying, dear God, please, you know, help this family. It's winning. The evil, the darkness is beating us. But you know what, as I said earlier, I learned God always has a plan, right? Sometimes he lets things happen to teach you a lesson or teach you something that you need to be taught for future references. So I continue the search to find someone that can deliver joy. Lo and behold, the very next day, Just by mutual conversation with a friend, I met that person that would eventually deliver joy. This person proceeded to tell me that their preacher, or the church that they go to, specializes in spiritual warfare and deliverances. And when I hear this, I'm I'm thinking in my mind what just happened with the Pentecostal preacher. But you know what? This is why that Pentecostal preacher got attacked. Again, demons know everything about you, right? They know your deepest, darkest secrets. And if you don't do things for the right reasons, then guess what? You're not going to be protected. And you're not wearing the armor of God. See, wearing the armor of God is a state of mind. It's righteousness. It's the best way that I could put it. However, the day the preacher agreed to show up at the house, again, I showed up early, waiting the anticipation. He showed up and just by talking to this minister for five minutes, I knew this was a very humble man and that this was going to be joy, salvation. I felt it deep down in my bones. I just don't know how to describe it. I just knew it was gonna happen. So when it came time to actually do the exorcism, or deliverance, we set Joy in a chair. Now, remember, she suffers from Parkinson's disease, which means she's very frail. And at this point in time, her health is very bad as well. So she is really weak. She sits down and the preacher tells us that you might wanna hold her down because if this thing comes forth, Things could get rough, and I look at Joy's husband. He looks at me, and you know it was just that—the look in his eye told me everything I needed to know. it's like, "Are we sure we're prepared for this?" Well, I got on one side, and he got on the other as she sat in a chair. And as the deliverance started, when the minister confronted this entity, it came forth. Now. When you see someone that's under possession, it's something you'll never forget because it's literally, you can see something else looking at you through that person's eyes. And it's a very unsettling feeling. So the entity lashed out and you remember how I told you that demons know everything about you. And it's gonna use that to its advantage. I'll never forget as she's sitting in a chair and she's looking at me, or it's looking at me through her eyes. Next thing I hear, a male's voice come out of Joy. She's talking, but it's a male voice. And this thing looks at me and he's laughing. And he says, you think you can help her, you fool? You don't even love yourself. How in the hell do you think you're going to help her? And at that very moment, deep down inside of me, I questioned myself because I knew it was right. Because at that time, you see, I didn't love myself. Because remember, I was going through a real hard time in my life. But I didn't respond to it. I just held my place. And... The preacher said, I cast you out. And I'll never forget, she vomited this black goo. The weirdest thing I ever saw at the time. I had never seen anything like that. Since then, I've seen it several times. It does happen sometimes during deliverance or exorcisms. And when it was over, she just looked limp. Her head just went down. And when she finally came to, I remember we, we we tried to pull her out of the chair and she was so weak that she just fell face first on the ground and the poor thing, she broke her nose. But, you know, we had hope. So three days later, I showed up at her house to check on her, see how things were going. And we were walking outside and I, and I asked her, I said, Joy, do you, you think the deliverance worked? Do you truly believe that it worked? And she said, I don't know if, I, if it did or not, but I can say that nothing's happened since then, which I thought was a very good thing. And I don't know, but at that moment, I heard a voice in my mind. You know, God talks to us sometimes by our subconscious mind. And in spiritual warfare, you learn to pay attention to thoughts that just randomly pop up in your mind. That's not the normal way that you think. that divine force that guides us and I remember hearing this voice and it told me to give Joy a message so I looked at Joy and I said Joy you know one thing that I've really observed over the course of all of this is you really have a resentment for God you blame him for allowing this to happen to you but in fact he didn't okay and I noticed that you pray a lot, but when you pray to God, it's almost as if you're praying as an empty shell. There's no emotion there. You're praying to him with resentment. You see, one thing I've learned is, see, we live in the flesh. We communicate by our voices. In the spiritual world, they don't need voices to communicate. They do it with vibration, with energy. So I told Joy, I said, you know what? You need to pray to God and tell him to take this away from you. And I said, what you need to do is you need to take all the love that you have for your kids, for your family, everything you hold dear to you. Feel that love. Pull it down in your heart and pray to God with that love. And then maybe he'll take it away from you. She looked at me as if she never thought of it that way. And I seen almost a smirk on her face, a slight hint of a smile that I hadn't seen in a long time. And she said, you know what, you're right. So we sat there together and she prayed to God. And she felt the love and she gave it to him see then he answered her prayer because i'll say this to this day it's been what almost 10 years and she's still free now can i say that her life is a fairy tale and they all live happily ever after no i can't because you know since then her and her husband's divorced but i can say this the kids are doing very well and you know the good thing about the kids is other than the older one that was probably eight years old when this happened They were really young so it doesn't affect her life that much, but on a positive note, she's doing quite well. She's working as a nurse and she went to a treatment that helped her with her Parkinson's disease. They actually put some kind of chip in her her brain and it takes away the the tremors and stuff and you know i have a very special bond with this family and especially joy and a friendship that we have is is very strong and will continue to be that way as it is with a lot of my clients and people that i have helped over the years so always remember guys no matter how bad a situation is there's always something good that's going to come out of a bad situation. And is living proof of that. Guys, thank you for tuning into the Cajun Demonologist podcast. Until next time, see ya. almost a smirk on her face a slight hint of a smile that I hadn't seen in a long time and she said you know what you're right so we sat there together and she prayed to God and she felt the love and she gave it to him you see then he answered her prayer because I'll say this To this day, it's been what almost 10 years, and she's still free now.